Hey everyone, uh, this is Hindsight of Episode 6, which was all about consciousness. And um, for all those who made it through the whole episode, I appreciate it. I've said it before, I will keep saying it, it's my favorite subject. I did sort of a pre-site video, um, which I think we'll, we'll put in the, uh, the, the description here, um, which was a very fun and silly video I did to, to prepare you for that episode about consciousness. And then we did the episode, and you heard it, and it's long, and we, Coleman and I battled it out, and maybe disagreed about the utility of what Eric's doing, and maybe ultimately the futility of what he's doing. Um, and now I'm going to talk even more about it, but there's always more to talk about, and I want to flip it a little bit in this. So I wanted to start with another conception of the mystery of consciousness, which is often just referred to as the mind-body problem. And I think what a deeper question is in all of science is a question that I've been thinking a lot about lately that I should be a whole just field of, of, of topic and conversation and, and it is a study of the big question of what is fundamental so when I say fundamental that is a lot of ways of to, to conceive of that concept but a good way that I think I'm borrowing from Steven Pinker is it is the place where explanation stops so you think deeply about something and about universe or situation of something and then you hit a point where it just explanation stops it can just go no further and you just call that stuff beyond explanation foundational it just is it just exists um, which is kind of a troubling concept because okay what is foundational what cannot be explained and we just have to shrug and say well that's that's the universe um, we often you know you could call these things just laws of physics well a law is just a law and we're just like stopping at the end of being like that's the speed of light that's as fast as you can go that's the speed limit that's that's it that's just like a law of this universe um, another way to sort of start conceiving of that that I really like is a thought experiment where if you imagine building a really great virtual reality machine so I don't know if you've played around with these things like oculus or uh, HTC Vive or any of these headsets that we're, we're experimenting with now on the consumer side that are getting pretty good. I actually recommend playing with one, especially the ones where you have controllers and your hands are in the world. It's already pretty convincing and immersive. But if you can imagine building a virtual reality world that was running on a really great computer with, let's say, like, you know, a ton of power, this thing's not, no one's going to trip over the cord, and it can produce a just rich, deep environment where the physics in it are consistent and it can be simulating anything if you if you can imagine the moment a baby is born of putting a virtual reality headset on it and then it lives its entire life and then dies all within the headset will it have ever noticed it was wearing a headset uh i love that thought of thought experiment because where you maybe have already gone is thinking like how do we know we're not already in that world? And the truth is we really fundamentally don't. This is sort of the matrix stuff that we talked about. But let's just say we, we built that world and someone did never knew because the world was just so damn convincing and they were very curious and wanted to know where they were and they were looking around. Whatever they discovered, as far as they can go from within that world, would be things that maybe I decided or the physics that I programmed in that computer or whatever it is would just have to be foundational. Like they would just learn the laws of the universe in their universe and just have to call them foundational because they could go no further. Um, how this relates to consciousness and this mind body problem is really interesting because that entire episode and Eric's entire work 
starts with the mind-body problem and the hard problem as posed by David Chalmers assumes and starts with what maybe feels inescapable to start with, which is that the body is real and the mind is the question. So how does a mind emerge from a body is another way to put that. Or how does the seemingly deep conscious experience arise from the physical, the physical world, which already starts with you're you're saying foundational is the world is the physical world and the question is how does mind come out of it this is eric's entire thing of saying like let's if you give me the world if you don't play the solipsism game and pretend that we're in a simulation or let's just assume we're in a world and you set aside all that stuff i could get really far and to be honest i i I know coleman sort of is like uncomfortable with it because maybe that trick right there of admitting that the foundations of your scientific principle are an illusion is maybe a cheat but without it you get nowhere like eric said you you can get absolutely nowhere and so you're stuck or maybe coleman's stuck with something that has served us somewhat well of this of this similarity principle of like this thing is kind of like me i know i'm conscious it appears my brain is doing that if i can find other things that are kind of like that in the world I'm going to go with that. Um, That has served us really well, but my fear is that it does not serve us as well as we think it does. We brought this up with like oysters, whether that's a genocide or not. Um, And then especially in the case at hand of something like creating an artificial intelligence, which is incredibly convincing and may soon have faces which are very similar to ours if we choose to build them that way, that will tug on your intuition. And I'm unsatisfied with Coleman's sort of shrug in that sense of like well that's the best we can do and we should err on the side of caution there and just like not indiscriminately unplug things that are similar to us um that raises a lot of questions already for meat eaters and that raises a lot of questions just moving into the future eric and this notion of iit and integrated information technology is an attempt to say you know i think we can do better than that it does ultimately coleman is right rest on the similarity principle but it doesn't stop with just with what feels similar it's can i describe this physical system that i'm in in such a way that is abstract and substrate neutral that then i could take that model and look for in other places in the world that could be things that are not at all things that look like brains like he even brought up corn systems um that that that's a really really big hill to climb um and but but I, hopefully you're already grokking that it if you can get it, it will allow you to at least pretend that you're moving through a moral universe with confidence about what to unplug and what to kill, and what to what to value. Because uh, without it, we're sort of lost in the dark and just shrugging. Now there is I want to flip it around in a totally insane way. There is a new book out by Don Hoffman, who uh, I'm a big fan of. It's called The Case Against Reality. Um, I recommend everyone who's interested in the subject take take a dive into it because he flips the hard problem or this mind body problem where I remember I started down this last track by saying, if you grant me or Eric that the universe is really out there and let me explore it. And the question is, how does consciousness come from it? What if you flip that and say, okay, instead of saying the universe or physical universe or the non-conscious universe is foundational, if we flip that to say consciousness is foundational, 
how do I get the universe out of it? Um, it already starts a really kind of crazy uh, thought experiment to go down. I won't give away his entire um, premise or his argument, but his the quick version of it is that we are all experiencing whatever the actual universe is through a evolved kind of interface that allows us to interact with it. And it's a good thing that it hides most of the true nature of that reality from us because we would not survive in it. So the reality that we are seeing, this microphone in front of me, the camera that I'm looking at, and even this is being recorded in this entire room, is all kind of like an icon on a desktop. It is presented to me by my computer, the icons even that I'm looking at here, they are hiding the true reality of the email or the website or whatever that is existing in the electrons and all of that. And it's a good thing. It, it presents me what I need to interact with that actual world with, um, but it's not showing me the actual world or anything like it. Um, I w again, I, I, I encourage you to read it. The danger of all of these consciousness talks is that you could get very woo-woo in them very, very quickly. I honestly think this the, the mind-body problem and the hard problem and the consciousness problem, whichever you start with, the question of what is fundamental is ultimately where religion and atheism stop. And without getting too sort of political here, and when I say stop, I mean they they have to depart from each other there. Without getting too political here, without getting ruffling too many feathers, I also contend that the atheist point of view that seeks to look for these kinds of questions is in some ways looking for this ultimate question of what is foundational, where the religious philosophy sort of demands that they have the answer in hand of what is foundational and it is big G God. So I've been able using this consciousness question. I know these, the, the pre-site, the last episode and this hindsight are kind of flimsy and maybe feel far from sort of the moral philosophy, you know, fire at the Louvre kind of questions that we've tackled so far. But I encourage anyone who's, who is, is, is even remotely interested in this to, to just like dig deeper into it. I can just tell you from my experience that this particular conversation, this particular question of consciousness has allowed me to engage in meaningful conversations with people who end up in very different ideological places with me. I, I had a long conversation with a Mennonite pastor at the at Ground Zero, um, which actually went incredibly well. Uh, we certainly don't agree, but we can almost find the point where we think about the same things and then he takes the left path and I take the right one. Um, and it's and it's purely by digging into this notion of the mind-body problem. And of course, the, the word that, I, that I, comes up in religious philosophy is soul and this notion of a soul, um, which must be defined very, very carefully, I think, by atheists and religious people alike. Um, but is a, is an idea that is fundamentally incoherent with any attempt to solve the hard problem, no matter which way you flip it, whether you start with my mind or you start with body, soul gets you nowhere. Um, so I find this subject to be the ultimate question. These are the big, you know, foundational questions that we can get to. Um, and oddly, the question that we know still so little about. So um, I don't know. I, I, I could probably 
wrap up this ramble about consciousness here because there is just so much and I've only just scratched the surface of what's there. But the point is also, again, a plea that we need more people tackling this question and this problem um, directly. So if you're interested in it, you should dive into it. If you want to try to, to understand the math of integrated information theory, like I said, please go do it and then tell me what it means because I only understand about half of it. But all you really need to know about it is it's an effort to describe mathematically what kind of system would or must be emerging consciousness. If you grant yourself consciousness, which you have to, you could go pretty pretty far with it. Um, the other conversation that happened sort of simultaneously, if you listen to the episode, was also this emergence question, which is a bit more of a technical question of which system that you input into to the math equation to spit out the answer you want. And the really surprising thing there, as Eric was talking about, is they can give you drastically different answers. Um, so imagine a box here sitting on my table that I put in a system and it tells me, oh, it's conscious. And you know, here's how much consciousness it has and here's what it's conscious of. But then I, I describe the same exact system. Let's say it's this computer in front of me at a different level, like the quark level. And I put that in and then it tells me no consciousness. How is that happening? That's another, that's another mystery of where is my consciousness happening? Like is my... If you just input, you know, the description of me at a quark level, you might not ever know that I'm conscious. But if you zoom out a little bit at some emergence level, suddenly you can find the consciousness. That's another kind of mystery that that um, needs to be approached and to be solved. So before I want to move on, also, I, I'm, I'm filming this and recording this in a setting that uh, is is in a, a restaurant where we're filming some other stuff. And I do have some people watching. Do you have any questions about any of the crazy shit that I just said? Uh, <laughs> yeah. To be honest. Well, actually, is the que- so the question, because this won't pick up on the audio, was about sort of imagining a continuum of consciousness and the difficulty and I share your difficulty with imagining becoming less conscious it's easy the on and off switch this is sort of the question you can imagine being off just nothing is happening it's actually hard to imagine nothing happening but yes if you if you are under anesthesia and you wake up imagine just being under anesthesia forever that would be no sense of time because time is also sort of a, a, a conscious experience I guess those are the lights off but it is hard to imagine somewhere on the on the dimmer switch is it easier to imagine going the other way like right now in this cafe there's you know infrared and gamma rays that are flying through me right now that I'm having zero conscious experience of they're real and in some sense just as real as the light waves that I am perceiving from this light that's hitting me would would that make it like more conscious if I was, uh, you know, getting that, I, you know, actually, I, th- I think your I think your continuum question is right. And I actually share it of like consciousness at some point is an on off switch. And then the question is really like, what are you conscious of? To me, I think con- consciousness has to be a binary state of being. It has to just be it has it or it doesn't have it. And this is where you get into like the creepiness with the panpsychism stuff, because it seems the only way out of this trap it's just granted everywhere <laughs> and it has some level of it but if something's only consciousness or conscious of a very 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 small amount of things so thomas nagel this also was brought up in the episode um that coleman really likes his phrasing wrote this famous essay called what is it like to be a bat 
and we could kind of imagine what it's like to be a bat. It's actually it's harder than it first appears because you have to really they're sensing totally different things. Um, but you could go even further, and it's almost tongue in cheek. Uh, I forget who wrote the original essay, but it was what is it like to be a thermometer? Like if a thermometer is conscious, it is sensing something and reacting to something in its world. I don't know the mechanics of mercury and whatever's happening there, but it is re reacting to something in its environment and it's changing. Yeah. It certainly doesn't have anything like a brain right. or a central nervous system in order to like process that qualia. But if, if there is panpsychism, you could say like, I don't know if it, I don't know if it has consciousness, but if it did, it would be like the dumbest level of just like one, like a one or a zero, like a hotter or colder or something like that. Right. Um, this doesn't mean you shouldn't like you should be start like you know telling your thermometer you love it because I don't think it has any conception of that kind of stuff and it, it almost certainly doesn't but this is why the consciousness question seems so so hard in some ways actually before you ask another question in some ways let's let's go down the panpsychism rabbit hole because everything we just talked about was actually the more familiar and and very hard to lose the the grip on feeling that the universe is really out there and the question is how is consciousness coming from it right like the physical is really really out there and how is consciousness coming from it so when i did the philosophical zombie experiment this is the other way to sort of conceive of it um if i make an exact replica of coleman right here down to the quark next to me as i'm building it you, you you only you only get to say either the lights come on or they don't come on we could talk about the dimmer switch also in another way but it's either going to happen or it's not going to happen it either gets zero consciousness or it at least gets some and if it gets some we're stuck with the question of when and how because if you're saying that i started with just stuff that wasn't conscious to begin with thermometer stuff. If I broke apart a million thermometers and used all the quarks and built co and, and Coleman, and then it had consciousness, uh, wh where did it come from? And one of the ways to answer it is, well, it must have always been there at some, that's in some way it must have been there already. What that means is very mysterious. Someone like David Chalmers says like, you know, it has mental properties or something. No idea what that means. It's sort of demanding that it must have been there in the first place. That that's a that's a that's a possible answer for it as a panpsychic. If you flip this somehow in this very crazy Don Hoffman way of saying this whole question is phrased wrong, it's going to be there is consciousness, and how am I how am I perceiving something that is like a thermometer? And actually, I have no access to what it actually is in the real world, whatever that actually is, because this is just an interface presented to me. And I'm basically interacting with an icon of a thermometer, but I have no idea what the actual thing is in the real world. It's a very trippy kind of way to put it. But one way to get out of panpsychism is to kind of deny the universe. This is kind of where I'm stuck. If you know, if, if anyone follows me on Twitter, I did come out as a panpsychic uh, because I because I'm not totally yet convinced to abandon the real world is really out there. But I actually feel like I am, I am stuck demanding panpsychism in some sense must be real. Because if you don't, this is the real tricky thing, if you, if you don't, if you say this panpsychism is crazy, it sounds like woo-woo stuff, because it kind of does, then you have to say that that Coleman statue or robot that I make down to the quark, everything is identical, doesn't get consciousness because I never added it in. And then that, that demands a kind of dualism, 
meaning that there is some something metaphysical non-physical supernatural about consciousness which which is a soul which i you know i i don't discount it just seems to clash with so many other truths that we know that it's almost like a process of elimination when you're doing consciousness studies and one day we'll probably just cross them all out and be like we have no fucking idea but it seems like panpsychism is the one that like at least i'm hanging on to by a thread of like that's that's the way to not you know that's the way to to proceed through the world and it does allow you eric and iit is very friendly to panpsychism with iit i could point it at this bottle and read a bit of consciousness and he says it'll probably have you know point zero whole lot of zero ones consciousness that you can read it, it sort of demands that panpsychism panpsychism is real and it sort of demands that if i build the philosophical zombie it gets consciousness it comes along for the ride i don't know so is it that, that make any sense so if that, <laughs> small things will still have consciousness you want to actually just come sit yeah like now you're in it so oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we have a special guest on the hindsight because like why not we're filming here he came and was a, it was a very lovely audience for another series we have coming out well, it's already out, but called Cafe Classroom, where we have some amazing guests talking about amazing things, and, and I needed the back of a head, and here he is. So <laughs> I only have one mic. Yeah. Professional back of the head. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess the question with panpsychism is that, so if we're having it, like, it exists in a very, the smallest of amounts is a very, 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 very small amount of consciousness. It's not that, like, when you, you can't, obviously, you're not getting more, something more conscious just by the addition of more corks because it's how it's arranged in a certain way so how do you get from it's the small amounts but if you just organize the same amounts of matter in a different way yeah. it becomes more conscious yeah i think okay so i don't know because i'm not eric but i think the general premise is well okay so he integrated information theory is something like um Maybe, you could, maybe it could be conceived of this way, is that this consciousness stuff just is. Let's just, call, let's just demand that it is out there. And what, what we're trying to measure is how information flows between systems. So if I have one, one just atom here, let's say it has like a tiny, tiny amount of, call it consciousness, call it mental properties. It just fucking is somewhere in there. We don't know. Um, and then I put it next to another one, another one, another one in a certain kind of arrangement. It, it, if you... We know if you put things in a certain arrangement like this computer versus this table, um, information flows through and talks to different parts of it in this one and not this one. Ultimately, it's the same stuff. If you zoom in far enough, it's the same stuff. So what's different about this one? You're right. It's the arrangement of it. That's precisely what he's looking for is like what kind of arrangement, some like magical arrangement, um, kind of allows let's say allows or unlocks allows the information to sort of like flow through it in a way of of it, that becomes integrated in a way in such a way that it must give rise to consciousness he, he tried to explain it in a in a brief way of saying like this computer is almost not it doesn't have the kind of integration that my brain does because if i like damage part of it over here the whole thing will break but with your brain, it's integrated in such a way, and we don't really know, you know, a lot of details about it, but if I damage part of it, if I damage it too much, it all breaks, but if I damage part of it, the information is sort of integrated and spread through the system 
not because it's magic, but because exactly what you're saying, like the arrangement of it is in such a way that it allows for this information to be integrated in a way. And their theory just says like consciousness then is like pretty, pretty strong, pretty strong. Yeah. If you can measure it pretty strong and if you can, and, and if you could, yeah, so that, that, that's a good way to, to, to conceive of it. And then if you can describe just the math of the situation, Again, at what level is another question of what level of the emergence level. But if you can just describe the math of it, it doesn't matter that it's wetware in my brain and hardware here. Yeah. It's about how is the in information integrated. But it does, yeah, it's like there's never any point where we add consciousness or pop it into existence in that conception. As far as I understand it. If Eric's watching, like, I'm sorry to butch butcher your theory, but that's what I got. But with the, uh, so, I guess where I'm, question is is with the the systems that you're building why does it require if it's about information and how it's actually being processed why do you need the small amount of consciousness in it if that makes sense yeah um, I, th I think actually and like since this is a high insight and we're yeah we could go a little longer it's like a, it's like a bonus episode and now you're like a special guest the host um I think the, that ultimate question of why consciousness is not addressed or answered by IIT. That's probably still sort of where the religion versus atheist conversation would thrive of like, yeah, like the way I conceive IIT or anything like it, as I was saying, is like it's a way to to hopefully move through the world that we're in and and be and have a little more confidence about what else might be having consciousness out there which has as we know huge moral implications in like every field but i think i think it has it's I, I would say it's agnostic and indifferent and probably totally um unable to address the question of like why was it there in the first place why did it need to be there there are some interesting people like graziano wrote a book called uh, make it consciousness in the social mind or the social brain um, which I liked quite a bit. There's a lot of like evolutionary psychologists and evolutionary thinkers that try to answer the question of, of why, but I, I basically always reinterpret or understand their question to be like, what is the function of? Because that is another mystery of consciousness is like, what is the function of it? You can imagine a world moving along just great without anything ever being aware with inside of it, uh, inside of it. And there's a lot of evolutionary uh, biologists and, and psychologists who come up with really great theories about why it was needed for future decision making and memory creation and all kinds of things. And but but still, I always find the little lacking of like, well, fine, is awareness the exact same thing as consciousness? In some ways it is. Uh, but I, I always find it a little, it's, I don't know how to get under that why question. With the panpsychism, so it, it seems like there's two things. If you're saying that something, you're not conscious, so let's say I'm, I go unconscious, I am conscious. Then we talk about adding in small amounts of things that are conscious and it builds up into something that's conscious. How can it be that you have uh, things that are conscious that are coming together that all of a sudden, boom, it's conscious. Yeah. I don't okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, it's a good question of like, I mean, another way to maybe to phrase that question is like, well, what happens when you're under anesthesia? Is like, where did the consciousness go? Right. It's because presumably like it didn't take it away into some like mysterious netherworld. It's still there, but it's, you're not experiencing it anymore. 
and I think like that's that's a whole mystery there of like how many selves may really be happening like maybe there is consciousness in you at that point but you're not experiencing it so you're not aware of it so maybe maybe that's a way to conceive that awareness and consciousness really are the same thing if you aren't aware that you're conscious well then you're not conscious the only way that you know that you're conscious right now is you just know it it's just this like yeah. manifest truth um, so yeah I, I don't know if that I don't know enough about anesthesia to like or even a comas and all this to be able to to say like where did it go and where did it come from in some ways with the success that they had with IIT predicting which patients will come out of coma and which ones won't um, also sort of demands that the consciousness is there and maybe the awareness of it is just is just not there at the moment which almost like kicks the can down the question of like okay so then what's awareness and where right. does awareness go um I don't know. Did I, I? I don't know if I can convince you to be a pan psychic or not. Oh no, I'm, I'm just, I'm <laughs> yeah. just as convinced as not convinced. Yes, yeah, me too. Honestly, just like I just don't want to be a dualist. It's probably right. what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's, I think that's the same problem that I have. Is um, that it needs to come from somewhere, and yeah. that sure doesn't seem like the answer. Uh, I should probably wrap it up, and I'll tease yeah. next episode. So, like, this was kind of funny. <laughs> it was yeah. Totally random. We like just did this thing, and it's like a little bonus conversation. But honestly, on, this is probably the best way to talk about consciousness. You don't want to hear me just like lecture about it because I don't know anything. It's like we're all asking questions. So, like, come on in. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm, I don't know what's after white belt. But uh, next episode is episode seven with Sean Carroll, who has a new book out I haven't read yet. It's all about quantum mechanics. Our episode is not about that. The episode pits a sort of basic situation of someone on their deathbed who's an atheist and a nurse who is a, um, a very devout believer in Christ and believes that you must accept him to get to, to paradise. And uh, she wants to convert him on his deathbed. So we talk about the morals and the ethics of that. It's, um, it actually might be surprising, his answers to a lot of this, because Sean is a pretty well-known atheist and been on the circuit for quite a while in these debates uh, and I think takes a, a different approach and a different line to these things. He also, I should warn you, we get very deep into the is ought question in that, the favorite, famous David Hume, there is no description of the universe, that uh, of how the universe is that tells you how the universe ought to be. Um, I really want there to be one and he tries to do sort of a psychological intervention and get me to give up my, my hope. Um, anyway, this was fun. So thank you. Yeah, <laughs> th no, th yeah. Great. <laughs> so say goodbye. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> All right. That's fun.